in order to explain how we properly serve God, which was the original purpose of the Tanya when it first appeared in, uh, in pamphlet form, it was advice and, and answers to people who had written to the Rebbe or had come to visit the Alta Rebbe of Shneir Zalman of Ladi, asking questions about how to serve God properly. The pamphlets answered the most popular, the most often asked questions. And eventually these pamphlets were taken together and put into a book form, which is the Tanya as we have it today. How to serve God properly. Particularly when we read in the Torah where Moshe says to the people, serving God is not something difficult or distant or foreign. It is not in heaven that you should ask, who will go up to heaven and bring us the teachings so that we may do it? And it's not on the other side of the ocean that you should ask, who is going to cross the ocean and bring us the information? In fact, it is very close to you, in your mouth and in your heart to do. And that verse is the, uh, the motivation, we might say, behind the writing of the Tanya. How to explain, how to understand this statement that serving God is a matter that is very close to you, not only in your mouth where you can serve God through worship and through prayer, and not only in deed where you can follow the commandments and observe the mitzvahs, but even in your heart when we see in our experience that the heart is not always in tune with godliness. Uh, the heart does not naturally love God or godly things. Um, sometimes it seems that the heart is the exact opposite, that our heart by nature is attracted to things that are less than godly, ungodly. So in what way are, are we so ready and capable of serving God with our heart when the heart doesn't seem to be cooperating by nature. To understand all of this, to explain all of this, we first need to understand who are we? What are we working with? What are our tools when it comes to our relationship with God? And we find in the writings of the Ari and the writings of the Kabbalah, that there are three kinds of souls. There is a soul that is described in Torah as the soul of the flesh. This is the basic human soul, the soul that gives life to the body. It is contained, it's, it's housed in the blood, and from it come all our human characteristics. Since everything is composed of four elements, as the ancients taught, fire, air, water, and earth, and these are not the same elements as in the chemical elements or the um, 92 elements or 94 elements or whatever they are, these elements, fire, air, water, and earth, are describing four directions or four forms of movement or lack of movement.
And everything in creation, everything in existence, has these four elements. Fire rises, fire goes upwards. Water descends, water flows downwards. Earth refuses to move. It resists movement. It's heavy. And air has no particular opinion. It'll go anywhere or go nowhere, and it doesn't care. These four elements produce four characteristics in the human being, in the human soul. Fire, for example, will produce uh, anger and arrogance because they have the tendency to rise, to flare up like fire. Uh, water will produce the, the uh, pursuit of pleasure because the human being finds pleasure in things that are beneath it. It flows downwards to seek its pleasure. The human being uh, is on a higher level than the animal, the plant, and the mineral, and yet we take our pleasure from the food that we eat, which is animal, plant, or mineral. So water produces the pursuit of pleasure. Uh, earth will produce laziness and sadness or depression. All of our heaviness comes from the element of earth because earth is resistant to movement. Uh, laziness is a resistance to movement. Uh, sadness is a resistance to movement. Not just physical movement, but even emotional movement. So sadness is really a condition in which we feel nothing. We may even resort to sadness specifically to avoid having emotions. So it wouldn't be correct technically to say I feel sad because sad is the absence of feeling. So when a person says I am sad, it means I feel nothing. And this comes from the element of earth. And then there's this interesting characteristic uh, that comes from the element of air. And these include things like boasting, idle talk, cynicism, um, uh, mocking. These are all forms of avoiding a position person who takes pleasure in not having a position, in not having a direction, in going nowhere. Uh, the type of people who don't enjoy a movie that has uh, a significant social message. They don't want a movie with a message. They want sheer nonsense, escapist kinds of things, because they, they don't want to take a position. And that's why they will have a cynical reaction, which is not a position, um, they will, they will claim to have doubts about things, which again is not a position. It's not yay or nay. Uh, they will boast, which is not the same as arrogance. Arrogance is taking a position. The boasting, the, the person who boasts knows that he's not capable and he knows that what he's saying is not true. And that's the pleasure. The pleasure of it is to make claims that are nonsense, that mean nothing that he will not follow up on and will not pursue. All of that comes from the element of air. Now, 
the first level of soul exists on a completely earthbound level. It is of the earth, it is of creation, and therefore has no goodness native to its personality. All goodness is acquired through conviction, through belief, through, um, through effort and through growth, and must be motivated by conviction, by intellectual conviction or religious conviction. And so there's the uphill challenge of acquiring goodness which does not come, is not given by birth or by nature. A soul, along with having whatever characteristics a soul has, uh, whatever talents a soul has, is different from, let's say, an animal spirit. An animal also has a life force that leaves the body at the moment of death. The difference between the human soul and the animal spirit is that the human soul, in addition to its talents, also carries a sense of mission and purpose. So if we wanted to be simple about it, a soul means a sense of direction, a sense of purpose. Every human being has a challenge. Every human being has a certain amount of goodness and godliness that they're supposed to achieve and, and contribute to the world. And we sense that. That's what a human soul is all about. We sense that purpose. We sense that mission. And possibly this is the essence of a human being. Not his intelligence, not his erotic needs, not the search for meaning, but the sense of purpose. It's not that I have to discover some meaning in life. It's that there is a meaning to life. I just have to find it. And I have to find it not out of obligation, not because I'm told, but because the soul itself demands purpose. Our soul, as human beings, cannot live, cannot be comfortable uh, drifting purposefully purposelessly, aimlessly. We, we know that we are here for a purpose and we are uncomfortable when we're not sure that we are living the purpose or that we are fulfilling the purpose. So <clears throat> the challenge of this first level of soul, the earthy soul, is to acquire that goodness through conviction and through belief and through actions. This is the belief that people have, that unless you acquire some goodness, unless you do something virtuous, meaningful, and, and, uh, and useful, your existence is temporary and fleeting, and after you die, you're gone forever, you no longer exist at all. These are the souls that need to acquire goodness, to acquire in eternity for themselves, because it is not built in to their soul. There's a second kind of soul with a different kind of a challenge. The challenge for the second kind of soul is to move from natural goodness to divine goodness, 
to godliness. These are called the righteous nations, the righteous people. Righteous meaning that there is something good born in their soul, native to the soul, so that along with all of these characteristics we mentioned before, the anger, the sadness, the the pursuit of pleasure, and, and all the rest, the soul of a righteous person has by nature two positive good characteristics, generosity and compassion. Generosity and compassion are good qualities, not not only correct or proper, but good, because good means the ability to see others as more important than myself. A person can be kind without being good. A person can be generous without being good. A person can be loyal without being good. So although generally we would say kind, to be kind is good. To be generous is good. To be loyal is good. But really goodness is a quality unique unto itself. There is goodness. Kindness is kind. Generosity is generous. Loyalty is loyal. Good is a different quality, is a different virtue unto itself. And that is the ability to put others before yourself. Now, you can be kind without putting others before yourself, without feeling or believing that the other is more important than you. You're kind because you believe that that's the right way to be, that that's the best way for you to be. That makes you a better person, a fuller, richer, more perfect human being. So you're not necessarily putting someone else before yourself. You're simply being the self that you believe you should be. And the same is true with all other qualities that are virtuous. Goodness means that when you are kind, when you're generous, when you are loyal, it's not because that makes you the best you can be, but because the other person, the recipient of your kindness, deserves your attention, your money, or your work more than you deserve it. That's goodness. And that comes born into the soul of the righteous person. So, um, the challenge for the righteous soul is to move from this given, this, uh, this, this head start uh, of goodness in these two forms of, of compassion and generosity, to move from there to something godly, from good to godly, uh, from a native given goodness to an acquired goodness, that comes out of the desire to serve God rather than just be the naturally good person that you happen to be. Then there's a third kind of soul. This soul is called a little piece of God from above. The first two souls are human souls, and they are of earth. They are of creation. Just as God created all things by saying, let there be, 
God created the human soul by saying, let us make man. And that created human souls. So the human soul feels quite comfortable being on earth. That's its natural habitat. The third soul is called a little piece of God from above because it is not of creation. It is not of earth. It is not created by God saying, let there be. It is, in fact, of God himself. And this is described in the Torah where it says that God breathed a soul into, into the body. Breathing a soul, rather than saying, let there be, implies using a deeper breath than the breath we use when we speak. When we exhale, when we blow up a balloon, for example, we're almost immediately exhausted, not because we've used up more breath than when we speak, but because we use a completely different, uh, different element of breath, a deeper breath, the breath of life, so to speak, so that when we use that breath even a little bit, it exhausts us immediately. Whereas with speaking, we can use a more external breath, and that's why we can keep go on talking for a while without becoming exhausted. So when God breathed a soul into the body, it meant that he invested a deeper part of himself, a more personal part of himself, than that which he invests in the creation of the world through speech. The purpose of the earthy soul is to acquire goodness. The purpose of the righteous soul is to acquire godliness. What in the world is the purpose of a godly soul? What is a godly soul supposed to acquire? And the answer that the Tanya will give is that the godly soul is not here to acquire anything. The godly soul is here to bring godliness into the world. Not to raise the world to God, but to bring God into the world. So it's coming from an opposite direction. Representing God's presence rather than representing the world to God. So when we take all three souls, the earthy soul, the righteous soul, and the godly soul, together, each doing what their soul is meant to do, the world becomes a dwelling place for God, a home for God. The world is elevated to where it is a comfortable place for God, and God is brought into the world through the combined efforts of all three kinds of souls. This godly soul is born against its will. Of course, the earthy soul wants to be on earth, but the godly soul feels foreign, feels out of place on earth. And when it's told a few months before conception that it will be born and that it should prepare itself to leave heaven and go down to earth, the soul is shocked and frightened and pleads not to be born. It doesn't want to go down to earth. Earth has a bad reputation in heaven. They hear in heaven that earth is a place where you can sin. So the soul says, why would I want to go there? Once the soul is born, out of, out of obedience and humility, it, uh, it accepts God's verdict 
and decree and is born. So it's born against its will. But then in, in the course of life, it learns to appreciate and to really love the ability that it has here on earth to serve God. The ability to do something for God. Now, the soul in heaven is like a child who loves his parents. And because of the childish love of the parent, never wants to go away, never wants to be far from the parents. But as it matures, the child realizes that staying home doesn't make you close to your parents. If you can do something for them, if they have a need that you can fulfill, if there is something you can contribute to making them more whole, more satisfied, more, uh, more fulfilled, that makes you close to them. So the soul learns by coming down to earth that by doing mitzvahs and by serving God, you become closer to God on a much deeper level than the closeness you have to God by staying in close proximity by remaining in heaven. And then at the end of the 80, 90, or 120 years, when the, when the soul's mission is over and it's time to go back to heaven, then we're told that we die against our will because now we don't want to leave. The godly soul does not want to go to heaven because in heaven you can no longer serve God. And so we're born against our will and then we die against our will because here is where we really want to be. We have a Sunday night program for VIPs that you might be interested in. It's informal, it's questions and answers, it's conversation. It's really relaxed, it's really pleasant, enjoyable, informative, and uh, kind of community-like. It's a Sunday night program, there's a... Um, Wednesday morning program for the VIPs, and there's a Wednesday night program. All of it, just conversation, casual, laid back, unscripted. So join us, take a look, click uh, the link below, and see which, which of the three suits you best, and join us for some enjoyable conversations.